0: The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
1: This. This is, is AV Nation. Nation. This
0: is AV Nation.
2: Greetings and welcome to this episode of AV Nation TV's Connected. I'm your host, David Danto. And um, what can I say? In a normal year about this time, I would be sharing with you experiences of uh, walking through halls and waiting on lines at the biggest technology show of the year, CES. But as everybody knows, and as we've been saying for quite a while, this is not a normal year. Um, CES, uh, uh, while they were adamant about putting a show on, Um, a physical show on toward the middle of uh, 2020, finally came out and said, look, we can't do this, but we're going to put on the best digital show that we possibly can. Um, And and rather than show you pictures of exhibitors and everything else, I figured the smartest thing to do, since I didn't have any of that available, would be to put together uh, a bunch of uh, um, analysts and influencers and smart people who've attended CES before and give you their thoughts, not just mine, of what's going on Before I do that, let me share with you this very unscientific poll that I did on Twitter about a week after CES ended, just asking what people thought of it. As you can see here, um, it's a very mixed view. It certainly wasn't fabulous, um, and a lot of people were disappointed by it for different reasons. Um, I, I certainly feel for uh, the team at uh, CTA uh, because, you know, they had to do something and they did something under the circumstances that was uh, um, good. But there were some issues with the show as well. And the one thing that I'll say that I've said to a couple of people at this point now is, um, uh, you know, there is no better organization than CTA to put on a live um, in-person show. There is no more important, better-experienced conference, even with all its lines and weights and crowds and everything else, than CES every year. It is my most important uh, visit to a conference to learn about what's going on in technology, um, and, and they are clearly the best at it. But they're not the best at putting on virtual performances, and, and while they did put all their eggs in one basket from a very competent technology provider to help them with this, they could have reached out to people who have been doing these virtual conferences for the last six, eight months during this pandemic who've learned what works and what doesn't um, and could have brought some of that expertise into what they do. The terrific analysts and influencers that I've put together uh, for their comments on this year's CES um, uh, have all provided me their information completely unedited, exactly the way they wanted to. Some were just giving me talking heads. Some have given me a full produced segment. I'm going to string them all together here and now. So let's hear what they think.
1: This is Tom Albright from AV Nation for The Connect Show, uh, talking about CES 2021, 20, the virtual part. First uh, up is the di- uh, DisplayPort 2.0. Um, it is something special. Uh, you should take take a look at it. The one thing about it though, is the fact that because of COVID and because of uh, supply chain issues, those will be displayed. Uh, yes, we had to talk about the, the flying car uh, from GM and uh, Cadillac. Um, not exactly what I was looking for, but it's it's, it's cool in, in the fact that yes, it's a concept, and I understand it's a concept. And Danto is going to rant and rail about concept cars. I get it, right? They're they're just this side of, of vaporware because they're not exactly promising them to you. However, the thing about concept is they're showing you what's possible, not necessarily what's probable, but what's possible. And I think about the thing about the flying car is it's possible, so that's when we take the next step. Same thing happened 20, 25 years ago when it came to electric cars. Um, you know, Honda had a, a hatchback 20 years ago that the entire back hatch was one giant battery because that's how much, how big the battery had to be. Well, fast forward 20 years, those concepts have now evolved into things like Tesla and other electric, other, other EVs. So, you know, let's take the, the concept, car, uh, concept part of the, the flying car and, and run with it. LG has some new uh, projectors to the 4K that are sub $3,000. Why that's important uh, is because of the the resolution and the price point. Projectors typically, uh, both from home and office, uh, have been above $5,000, sometimes $10,000 when it comes to 4K. Price points are, are, are dropping when it comes to 4K. That means that that resolution is going to be more and more prevalent, both in the home and in the workspace. So, hopefully uh, content will, will, will shortly follow. Um, if it doesn't, the question will be, what is the benefit of 4k? And that's, that's an open question, something that other people, uh, I'll let them, uh, kind of, uh, uh, debate last, but not least is the gaming laptops. Oh my goodness. There was an awful lot of them. And, and here's the thing about the gaming laptops, not necessarily that, that, you know, okay, cool. We can, we can game, uh, and we can do it, you know, remotely and we can do it on the go. The reason I want to mention the fact that the game there were so many gaming laptops and the power behind them, both from a, a refresh rate uh, standpoint as well as the processing power standpoint. Um, when you're a an AV programmer uh, and you're a control systems programmer specifically, or you start looking at things like uh, doing um, you know QSC programming and, and, and you know uh, DSP programming, you need a beefier machine than just the off the shelf Dell or the off the shelf HP or what have you. Going to a gaming laptop, I think, is incredibly important when you are an AV systems programmer, whether it's control or DSP or what have you, because it's going to give you better processing power and, and better graphics and resolution. That's why I'm excited about all these gaming machines. Plus, it, it's cool because I still like to game. So, those are my picks for CES 2021. Uh, enjoyed myself a little bit weird uh, with with the virtual part, uh, but nonetheless, it was it was exciting and and fun to attend.
3: CS 2021, I want to talk to you about three things today, how the event went, what it tells us about collaboration going forward, and the three kind of big trends that we saw come out of the week of announcements that we had. How was it? Um, a little bit underwhelming for me, to be honest. I, I didn't have great expectations, but, And I had a feel that the keynote part might work out better than the actual floor event, if you like. Um, And it really turned out to be the case. The keynotes were fine, you know, actually I had the opportunity to go and and, uh, attend many of them, something that I never do when I'm in Vegas. Uh, because I'm running from one event to the next and meeting to meeting. So that was a plus, and I'm sure that a lot of people benefited from that. The quality of the speakers uh, was, was good. There was variety um, of topics, and there was diversity in the number of, of people that um, were given a platform to present. Uh, From a keynote perspective, it was interesting that uh, a lot of the the keynotes didn't have uh, a lot around products, especially products that are coming this year or the next six months. There was more about futuristic products, especially around the automotive business. Uh, And then there was a lot of um, uh, talk around generally the brand and what they're trying to achieve overall i think that i came away from the week definitely with with better feet uh, than i normally do we didn't put in all the steps that we usually do at the event Uh, a tired mind but also a clear feeling that there's so much more that needs to be done Uh, around collaboration and that you know the the push that we've seen over the past year has been great and got us uh, a long further along than we've ever been but so much more is uh, needs to happen especially for the part that was the weakest part which was um, really the the one-on-one collaboration or If you're thinking about it from a CS perspective, the ability to go and talk to the brands and meet and ask questions, something that you normally do on the show floor in such an easy way, and uh, you know, that discoverability of of new brands and products wasn't there in the digital format. So I, I really think that you know, as much as we tend to focus about productivity and the how do we make the water cooler moment in in a digital environment? We really need to think differently about not just that within a company, but how do brands and uh, consumers, potential buyers, interact in a digital moment? Uh, What CES offered was the idea uh, of having either um, a a meetings uh, meeting or a Zoom meeting, with the brands that you were interested in depending on which platform uh, or event you were attending um, but that didn't really work because you you know you go into the zoom meeting uh, i tried on a couple of occasions nobody was there it just says that i needed to wait and i wasn't quite sure if i needed to wait like i did at, at pepcom or you know other events in in real life in vegas where you actually wait your turn and there's a you know series of people in front of you that are, are uh, asking questions, but nobody turned up. And so after 10 minutes, I kind of left. Um, I've heard people that did get into these meetings and it was kind of strange because you dropped in, you weren't quite sure where the conversation was uh, and, and you interacted and then you left. And so I think that part of how do you give access is one that I really would like um, the brands that are focusing on um, productivity and collaboration to really focus on going forward because it's an untapped opportunity for brands to reach out to consumers. Think about it, you know, for support as an example. And you know I'm not saying all call centers need to go video, but that's an added features that you can start thinking about. And I know companies like Cisco have already started to think about that. Um, so the, the idea of really bringing people together both internally for that water cooler moment and externally on a, on a B2C level. That was my biggest takeaway from how the, the event was set up. Uh, from a trend perspective, I saw three things that came out kind of loud and clear. Uh, one, obviously collaboration. This was a big focus, especially for um, device manufacturers, PCs, smart speakers, uh, anything that has either to do with a camera and computing or uh, sound and computing. And the idea that in this new world where office and home become one and the same, uh, there are trade-offs that you need to make uh, from both the, the level of, um, acceptance, if you like, that the, the user is gonna have for something, for a device that comes into their home is gonna be different and you're gonna be, have to be uh, more careful and attentive uh, when you're designing things that end up being part of my decor in a sitting room or a kitchen table or even a, an home office environment. Um, so that on the collaboration side, we saw interesting things uh, like monitors that now have a camera and a speaker. Like Dell uh, introduced um, more speakers um, devices that are targeting what um, you know is the, the mobility within within a home setting. And so, if you're thinking about PCs, you know lightweight still matters because you know even if simply you want to move away from your home office when you're done eight hours of, of video collaboration uh, and you still have to you know catch up on email or everything else, but you want to do it from the sofa while maybe you're doubling with pretending you're actually part of, of a family and interacting with, with the members of that family. But the idea that you don't want to always be um, attached to your, your desk comes into play. The other trend that I saw that was interesting was cleaning, um, you know, not cleaning in a, in a home environment, even if we saw that, you know, more uh, robotics and and uh, uh, cleaners that are AI enabled that are able to understand where your pets are and, and uh, the needs of your home, depending on the design of the home, but really cleaning uh, from a COVID perspective. So COVID really uh, prioritizing and raising that awareness that a lot of the things that we touch every day uh, especially our mobile phones are capturing all the germs that are are um, out to be uh, gathered so to speak and so the idea that um, you might have devices that are doubling from uh, charging your phone to sterilizing your phone, or you have technologies that are enabling you not to touch as much, so touchless uh, UX experiences that uh, not just with voice, but the added uh, camera might help you um, avoid some steps uh, where that would require you to touch a surface or a screen. So interesting to see that, and although you know these might be products that don't come to market till later in the year and so hopefully when the vaccine is going to be ready available my hope is that it will actually help going forward not just for covid but you know just for the common flu and and some of the um, illnesses and and disease that, that are out there that are uh, germs and, and virus spread and that will help us uh, lead a healthier um, life going going forward. Just think about normally when we come back from CES, we normally end up with, with the flu um, and that's because we are in a shared environment and we touch things that everybody else is touching and so forth. So I think that some of the if you like COVID uh, related enhancement around hygiene uh, will benefit I think society uh, way longer uh, than, uh, than the COVID um, emergency. And the last one that I wanna to touch on is, is not actually product related, but it's more, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, brands that took the opportunity at CES to talk about corporate social responsibility and um, the accountability that technology brands have um, with the products that they bring to market obviously 2020 uh, was uh, a very um, difficult but at the same time eye-opening year uh, not just for covid but because of of social injustices that within witnesses and witnessed in the in the us and i think that um you know especially towards the end of the year and then um during cs itself we we, you know we were living that duality of what was going on in the us um and uh tech it it felt a little bit surreal at time uh, to go from you know talking about uh what was going on in in uh, DC and, um, you know, smart toilets in, in a CES, in the digital Vegas, um, but so is our life following following technology. But companies that took that moment to um, either reiterate where they stand uh, in principle, the whole uh, Microsoft keynote was about that, was was about their accountability, uh, their beliefs and, and uh, how they, They are aware of the impact that the products that they bring to market have on society Uh, or companies like Sony that took a moment to talk about some of the uh, CSR so corporate social responsibility initiatives that they have Um, is all great. And and it was very welcome. Um, I just want companies to do more. Uh, then talk about it and have great initiatives. And so, you know, 2021, I really hope that um, this uh, this moment in time where we, we have seen companies being more aware of their responsibility will live them to do uh, more and more to uh, drive not just inclusion uh, and uh, and diversity within their own companies, but also equity. Uh, equity of access for technology across the board uh, from their product perspective. That's kind of it in a very quick summary for what there was. Um, I, I think that generally, you know, CES is the beginning of the year for technology. 2021 uh, and was the, the first time that we did it digitally. I'm sure that. Um, you know, being a bit of a of a cynic, it was good enough um, for people not to complain, but bad enough for people to want to go back to Vegas uh, next year if we can do so safely. Thank you.
4: Hey everyone, this is David Mario Smith from InfoAnalysis. Some know me as DMS. First, let me say thank you to David Danto for the opportunity to share some of my thoughts and takeaways from CES. Uh, Attending CES this year was a bit different. That's probably the understatement of the year, right? With, with what we've been going through, but I think this year's show and its virtual format pre- represented and accurately reflected our current reality for the most part. So there was a a big focus on work, health, and entertainment gear for the stay-at-home lifestyle we're all living <laughs> right now. So you know, smart home and smart appliances were big news. You had the touchless trend with touchless faucets and toilets and, 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 and doorbells and so forth. Now, there, there was an infinite amount of specific takeaways and, and things to you know, talk about related to uh, this year's CS, but overall, it was that recognition of our current reality that drove a lot of the product announcements and innovation that, that we saw, I think. Um, so as the first ever virtual CES because of COVID, there were you know some shorter sessions, shorter press conferences. I noticed uh, now the keynotes were hard to keep up with a bit and and hard scheduling your time accordingly. I I must admit, I did not make it much to the virtual trade show floor. Wasn't able to interact as much there with, with brands. I I think what was hard to do in this virtual format was making it easy to discover different brands and and obviously the networking suffered as well. So networking and discovering brands was somewhat more hard to do in this virtual format. Um, Now, I noticed some of the actual session content from brands was a bit on the lighter side, and I'm thinking it was maybe due to brands. You know, probably not sure who would be in attendance or how much people would would be there in in attendance. So, some big brands like Google actually were absent. You know, so virtually things were you know definitely a lot quieter than um than years past. Um, definitely saw a rise in PC technology and PCs. Which to me is a direct reflection on, on rising usage, right, with people working from home, homeschooling, and the need for more powerful machines, right, you know, to conduct those sort of home sessions. So we saw some options emerge at, at the show, which was good. One of the things in a topic that's sort of near uh, to my heart, uh, we saw uh, diversity and inclusion was also a huge topic and, and theme as companies are sort of grappling and dealing you know, with a serious reckoning on, on race, uh, systemic racism. Uh, and inequalities that have played our society and sort of been an ingrained part, right, of, of, of the fabric of the society. So diversity and inclusion programs are being brought to, were being brought to the forefront to address the workplace uh, manifestation of these issues across all industries. And a big part of that work, you know, key keynote sessions and, and diverse panels to really spark the conversation, the CTA has been moving more in this direction. Um, actually, a really good session that was the opening for the diversity and inclusion conference sessions at CES. I had Don Jones, uh, chief diversity and inclusion officer at Intel, and Monica Poindexter, chief diversity officer at Lyft, on stage for the January twelfth, uh, for their keynote, which was titled "Keys to Success." how diversity and inclusion helped us survive 2020. The the discussion included how diversity and inclusion have become more than a business imperative and are becoming an essential tool in creating innovative solutions to some of 2020's biggest business challenges. So really good discussion, really good panel. Uh, In fact, Tiffany Moore, Senior Vice President of uh, Political and Industry Affairs at the CTA was actually the moderator uh, for the panel. Um, but, But this again shows you know an important conversation that needs to be happening in tech and in tech circles um I'm here in the Bay Area it's something I know that a lot of the companies are trying to start focusing on more but it's more than just the trying and the attempts and looking at numbers we really have to be boots on the ground and really addressing the issue and so it extends into you know product diversity as well uh, because diversity of thought experiences, skills, and background is critical for innovation and to actually have an environment of innovation. And so it's good to see the CTA sort of seriously take on this mantle and, 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 and this initiative. So it was good to see social issues, systemic injustices uh, get discussed and the path forward for diversity and inclusion. And and just overall, an important discussion on accountability, Right, uh, corporate and individual accountability uh, alike so a very different CS experience this year but hey we've all been you know having a very different experience with work and and in and, and our home our lives for the most part so hopefully we can convene in vegas in person next year all right so david mario smith dms out thanks guys and thanks david
5: Q-Division proudly presents Q's Tech Talks, a show about the latest consumer trends, technology, and digital acceleration. And now let's bring on the hosts of Q's Tech Talks, Ben and Manolo.
6: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Q's Tech Talks, AV Nation Special Edition. Uh, I'm Ben Gautier, and with me, as always, is Manolo Almagro. Manny, how is it going, buddy?
7: Hey, it's going
6: okay, man. Hey, so we're here quickly. This is a real quick thing. We're going to be talking about CES. Uh, We just got back from CES, I take it? We were... uh...
7: (laughs) (laughs) You stumbled on that one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we we kind of did get back.
6: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, CES just happened. Uh, It had all its stuff. It had uh, uh, flying cars, right? What else did it have?
7: Yep. It had uh, ice cream pods like the Keurig things, you know, yeah, the little AirPods, AirPods. And ice cream.
6: Yep. Yeah. They, had that. Ice they, cream. Also, they also had, the, there was like sex toys.
7: Yeah. Yes, there were.
6: But, uh, you know, my favorite thing too, is that there was also augmented reality uh, model yacht racing, which is something that uh, I recommend watching the video because it was very, very yes. intense. It's a very
7: helpful car. solution for today's ales that we have. I think yeah. it's
6: a great solution. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, so CES, uh, it was all virtual and they were like, you know, bless her heart, they tried and everything. It was a very good stop gap solution. But I think, Manny, from all of our conversations, we can agree that it just did not hit the mark as to what we expect yep. from CES to setting a tone uh, for, for the whole year.
7: Yeah, I think, I think the, the key is when you're looking at consumer technology the the marketing videos are great i mean you can get them anywhere on youtube and stuff like that but i think when you're looking at ar and vr technology there's no way there's no way you can really experience the quality of it the the size of these massive tv booths that we see you can't replicate that in a virtual environment it's just you can't so yeah. That and not everybody came this this one, right?
6: I know, and that's the thing. Like you know, for our listeners, as we kind of go through the the there are, there are three main takeaways. Uh, and the first one isn't about like who was there, but who wasn't there. Uh, there was a lot of stuff every year that I want to kind of talk about, just trends for. Um, smart home technology mostly because for us it allows you to see like different behaviors that's to what these companies are going to start to set uh and two major players weren't there when you have uh, amazon and google not being present and not participating uh it's very difficult to kind of say like this is what's happening from the smart home and like you said from a uh you could say that there's a device that's going to be the Keurig for, for ice cream um, or even like fridges that are having better ice coming out of them. It really didn't hit the mark.
7: Right. I mean, there's it's basically 50% of the vendors did not attend or participate. Right. So when we look at the trends of, of what's happening, it's hard to say it's a trend when you're missing half the population to show you what else they have, right? So right. definitely, yeah. Yeah, so they we just it. have
6: our we have our, we have our work cut out for us when it comes to those things. So the next one that Manny you're gonna talk about too, though, is there is some stuff that's happening in the world of screens.
7: Yes. Well, last year was the foldy screen, the folding phone. This mm-hmm. year was the rolling phone, the rolling phone screen, actually, I should say. You know, LG uh, and some other ones last year showed their version of a screen that would roll up. Uh, for your tv and then they shrunk it down for these um telephones which basically you can basically roll it up like a map and then suddenly you have a tablet it's pretty cool Uh, i think that was an interesting um development and then also they had um bendy screens not not just um bending like you have to bend it. it it actually has the flexibility so to me from a av commercial perspective this is yet another you know we keep talking about how uh surfaces will become connected this is the next step
6: was a big deal we thought maybe it was going to be a bigger deal we weren't really really sure is uh we put them in a uh, like covid tech we put that into a big yeah. and of course in that we had uh uh Uh, razor had some fancy mask um yeah or whatnot to kind of take a look at there was also lots of robots sanitizing different uh, uh you know uv light sanitizing robots that go around and do those um but one when it talks about like the behavior part that we do think is going to stick uh it was about telemedicine, which isn't new. That was CES two years ago, three years ago with uh, telemedicine, right. teledocs. Uh, now that's their time to shine. But also about you're starting to see things with education. So like remote learning. Uh, and when you start getting home technology for remote learning, that's when you start seeing behaviors that are going to happen out in uh, in the marketplace where you're going to see a lot more intertwined parts with remote education and just remote anything that could end up happening.
7: For a five-minute recap of what we saw at Virtual CES, I'd like to, you know, I think that's that's what we saw. It wasn't really anything groundbreaking, you know, screens, uh, TV screens continue to get better, uh, better quality, the technology is evolving, Um, 8K is still there, the content's not there yet, Uh, bendy screens, foldy screens are on the way, which of course is, you know, looking forward. And as Ben said, I think the work from home, school from home technology that was being shown just is is definitely a trend that we're going to continue to to evolve in. And then I think when it comes to wellness and health and telehealth, all of that, that's definitely also going to be an opportunity because you think about how we're uh, bringing these technologies to things like nursing homes and aging in place and things like that. And even allowing people that aren't really technically savvy <laughs> to use uh-huh. this technology. So, I think this is where we're going and this is what we're looking at. So,
6: thanks. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, everybody.
8: I probably had more conversations with Alexa than any humans in 2020. So thank you for the opportunity to share my perspective on CES 2021. The Consumer Electronics Show is, for me, the most important show of the year. The actual products are really icing on the cake. It's these undercurrents and trends in consumer electronics that I'm looking for because they reveal the icebergs and opportunities that impact the entire global economy. And this year, more than ever, because we can measure the impact of the pandemic on the industry, on supply chain resilience or disruption, on innovation, on partnerships, and of course the adoption of new infrastructures like 5G. So, how is the show? Well, despite the pandemic, mind-blowing gadgets. Announcements coming at a dizzying pace, before, during, and after the show. But I want to talk about the CES virtual platform because I think it set the bar for other trade shows to follow. First, there's the portal itself. Now, that's dramatically different sitting at a computer than it is at a traditional show floor CES experience. But the consumption of the content was convenient and efficient. I had access to massive amounts of real time and pre recorded content. And the portal made it possible to build a custom schedule in advance and put it into my Outlook calendar and then I could jump in and out of live events. And that's a great benefit because several interesting topics were scheduled at the same time slot. And then there were these interactive breakout keynote sessions where from the portal, I could go right into Microsoft Teams and the chat feature allowed people to ask questions of the keynote speakers, which worked quite well. There was also this comfort of being home and having food breaks and sitting in sweatpants. The content was of good quality, excellent presenters and well-produced. And the combining of real stages where the presenters were on a real stage made me feel like I was really in a room getting a keynote. And combined with the virtual content and the use of green screens, it was actually better than being in an auditorium. So what would I fix? Well, where were the products? Of almost 2000 exhibitors, I probably encountered less than 200. And that's with 30 hours of binge watching. So, the format was good for canned product reviews, but not self discovery. It was more like window shopping at Macy's. And I'm thinking maybe a pre game tailgate party kind of feel would be more atmospheric. And that leading up into the physical show and running with the show would probably be really powerful and probably come back again next year. And then there's the search engine for exhibitors. I may not know the name of the product or even the category. So, I'd like to have a search by what's trending, what's highest rated, having some visual aids and heat maps and icons would would help. But let's talk about the technology itself. Overnight, technology became a lifeline for all of us. And in solving for COVID, the customer tech appears to have been solving longstanding problems too. I mean, take every aspect of the service industry. It's going to benefit from the suffering of COVID in the end because any of that tech is gonna be sticking around we learned about the digital first shopping trend, which has helped retail go into survival mode. That's actually gonna create opportunities to surge. The frictionless transactions and these curbside shopping needs are opening up new customer engagement opportunities that are gonna last a lot longer than the pandemic. And the acceleration of the technology, the globalization and now diversity that's going on, these are the ingredients that build a bonfire of innovation. And it's gonna come on fast, deep, and fused. The four technologies I'm talking about that are on fire, of course, are machine learning, robotics, natural language processing, and cloud computing. Everything has LIDAR navigation, not just smart cars, but smart vacuum cleaners. And the internet of things has just morphed into the intelligence of things. Not just the next generation TV, but we're seeing health tech crossing over into vehicle tech. Take GE's all-in announcement on electronic vehicles. I mean, that was staggeringly bold. But their Halo autonomous taxi, that has biometric sensors to read passenger vital signs, aromatics, gesture, and voice control. At the same time, the Evital, which is GE's concept for a single passenger flying car, I mean, that was so mind-blowing, it's difficult to tell reality from fiction. And we're gonna come back to that trend in just a second. But first, CES said that the best of the best was the AMD Ryzen mobile CPU. What that's telling us, it's not the products that are killing it, but the blazing tech that's going inside all the products that's trending. And that's even also the, the best transportation like uh, Mercedes Hyperscreen, that was got a lot of press this year that's positioning itself for the next generation self-driving cars. What's interesting and trending because many of these companies are building these is that the cars now are getting so smart, you can't navigate them with a typical layered interface. So they're having to spread out all the information across the entire dash. But let's go back to defining what is reality because LG used a virtual influencer called Ria Chem. She announced several products during the keynote. Well, it was impossible to tell, but Rhea was not a real person. But she's a DJ and she has 7,000 followers on Instagram. That tells us that artificial intelligence is getting real deep. It's becoming AGI, artificial general intelligence. That's when computers are so powerful, they've broken through the bottleneck of learning any human task. And soon computers are gonna be teaching themselves. And that depth of understanding that's reaching super intelligence. So the trend here is on AI ethics because there are human interests and there are machine interests and now we're fused at the tech. So everyone is talking about making sure humanity retains control of the intelligence we create. Also trending was the sense of social consciousness in the companies. And this is expressed by many of the leaders. It's deeper than just selling products. Their bottom line is dependent on focusing on equality, racism, environment, and the morality. Not just the consumers, but the companies themselves have a conscious. And finally, I want to talk about what I think is going to be a new category, and that's sustainable tech. And that's when we're combating waste or conserving water. I mean, tech junk is a real problem. These devices are having shorter and shorter life cycles. So this intersection of public health and health for the planet. Dell announced bioplastic laptops. Samsung came out with a solar TV remote and Samsung's also allowing for the reconverting of their older tech into doing IOT tasks. So there's this potential to accelerate the growth of tech in that supports this circular economy. And ultimately that should help keep us healthier and safer. So disappointments with the show, I guess my big one is of all of these TVs, I saw none of them that integrated web conferencing. I mean, didn't they see us all zooming all year long? Why can't they put microphones and cameras inside the display? Instead, we saw fitness systems with Logitech cameras sitting on top. And then the Microsoft keynote by Brad Smith in the sense of the perils and promise of technology. I mean, the cyber breach was really a problem, and Microsoft complained about the threat, but they didn't provide solutions. They were reaching out for a collective response, but cybersecurity is going to be a huge problem, a huge concern, and I'd like to see Microsoft take more responsibility in action. And, of course, we couldn't see the crowds in awe, we couldn't hear the whirl of the drone props, we couldn't feel the raw chaos and energy of discovery that makes the CES show floor. But my three top winners, my first one is a product called Mojo Vision. And that's a single contact lens heads up display. And it ended up winning the last gadget standing award. And I liked it because you could overlay information without obscuring your view. So the sense of giving you superpowers. And it's a great idea, but I do think it's gonna be difficult to get past the FDA. And TCL announced their 17 inch OLED rolling tablet. And that looks really ambitious, but finally we're seeing OLED rolling products come out, which would be great. And the last one, I wanna commend the diversity among the company's leadership that was on display throughout the show. There were lots of women, lots of minorities, outstanding intellectual firepower on display. These uh, people are running the most important companies and they're providing great insights throughout the show. So thank you, and I look forward to sharing more CES 2021 insights in the days and weeks to come.
9: Hi, this is Adrian Cottrell from The Daily Do. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about CES 2021, which uh, took place a couple of weeks ago. Uh, CES is an important event to me, I think I have been pretty much every year since the mid 1990s, so I guess that makes me one of the longest serving CES uh, press people who has been to the event. I find it pretty important to go, it's a fun place to go. Uh, For anybody who lives through the UK winters, not as bad as many places around the world, but it's great to be in Vegas and get a little bit of sunshine on your back early in the year. Uh, The biggest thing about CES like any event I think is um, the networking. So, I was incredibly disappointed, uh, but not surprised, of course, that CES 2021 didn't happen this year. Uh, I don't think there was obviously any way that it could have happened. Last year saw 170,000 people at the event, and I was privileged enough to be there, and I met David Danto and all the other people who you will see on this show, and we spent a lot of time uh, talking about the event, um, going to events, uh, networking, um, having a bit of fun and sharing our experience, something, of course, that we missed this year, as it was virtual. Um, it was a surprise to me that they were so quick to make the event virtual. And I think I was also a little bit surprised that CES took place on the same dates. Um, once you've realized that your event's not going to happen in person and you're going to put it on in, uh, in a virtual way or online, you can pretty much choose any time of the year uh, when you'd want to do it. So that was a bit surprising. Um, The other thing was uh, in terms of their numbers. Uh, The final press release that came out at the end of the show didn't give the exact numbers, which I found very surprising. And I think uh, that was because they were very disappointed with the attendance. Uh, Gary Shapiro, the CEO of the holding company, of the organizing company of CS, uh, did an interview just before, I mean a week before the event, and claimed 100,000 registrations. And he figured that they'd get somewhere to 150,000. I thought that was rubbish at the time. Uh, What we've seen from all the events in 2020 that were in-person but cancelled and moved to an online format was that you were lucky as an organiser if you got 50% of that number. So, really, based on just the experience of the other trade shows we had last year, they would have been lucky to get 75,000, 80,000 people um, to attend. And I don't think they did. I don't think they got those numbers, otherwise they would have announced them at the end. Remember, with all this stuff being online they 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 touted this big thing with the Microsoft platform they had that Microsoft spent a lot of time and money uh, building a platform a platform for the event. Um, you can you can measure these things at your fingertips. you know who's registered, who's registered but not attended, who's come online. They could give you by minute by second by hour by day uh, levels of who's attended. Uh, they could have told us which press conferences were the most popular they could have said which of the events were the most popular and they gave none of that data whatsoever. And I only I, the, the only reason I think they did that because that information would have been at their fingertips was because they were disappointed with the numbers. Um, I think just anecdotally, talking to the other industry influencers um, on social media uh, during and after the event, most people got pretty bored with what was going on line uh, within a couple of days. Um, there was a lot of talk about the, the videos we were seeing were just canned videos, you know, they, they could have been put up at any time of the day or night. So, the fact that you may have to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning in your time zone to watch an LG or a Samsung press conference was ridiculous because that video was available on YouTube at any time. Um, so, that was a bit strange. Um, one, of the, one of the debates was um, how well Microsoft would put this platform together and CES being a, you know, a technology show, you would have thought that they could have set the bar very high and, and set a high standard for an online event. And again, I don't think they did. I, I've been on much better online events, you know, using some of, some uh, off the platform, off the platform, it's not the right word, um, using some um, off the shelf software packages. So, I don't think Microsoft did a good job with their platform and I don't think CES particularly executed it very well. Um, so, that sounds all very negative. Um, I suppose it is negative. Uh, if there was a virtual event again, um, hopefully there won't be next year, but if there was, I probably wouldn't jump so quickly to sign up for it. I don't think you're missing anything. Those who did miss out haven't missed anything, is what I would basically say with CES. Um, the key technology trends was an interesting one. I've often been asked about what was there. Again, I tried to go to as many of the events as I possibly could. Uh, when boredom hadn't cut in. Um, I see upscaling of TV stuff, something I don't really fully understand, but AI upscaling of TV was popular again, that was popular last year. One of the things I noted because every press release mentioned the word AI, um, the social media statistics that we looked at, every other tweet, so 50% of all tweets mentioned hashtag AI. Um, And So, that's a weird one. So, AI was a technology trend if you like. Um, but it's not. I think more than what technology trends were there and were present. I think it's, it's better to look at what was missing. CES and the exhibitors. Uh, there was a thousand exhibitors, I think. They missed the home office, uh, just like many other industry associations in the AV world have missed as well. Work from home, remote working. It's the big thing. Home office now is the big, big, big thing, and I saw nothing really of um, any note about home office. So, I would say rather than the technology trends to take a look at, i.e. the AI stuff that was talked about previously, I think the thing was what they missed, and they missed the home office. That was a big, big, big loss for people attending. Um, Most of the stuff was the same old, same old, TVs, mobile phones, um, robots, gadgets, you know, there wasn't a great deal to see uh, from many of the exhibitors that you couldn't see elsewhere. again in terms of exhibitors uh, i've always said this um i don't i don't get paid to say this for sure you know i would always exhibit if i was a startup at either showstoppers or pepcom those two events for journalists uh, bloggers um industry influencers etc are the two most important uh, events at ces two of the most popular events i guess it's much cheaper at least i think it's much cheaper to exhibit at showstoppers and pepcom this year they were joined by Techfluence, a new co- a new company I think, or a new show that goes alongside CES. And also uh, another thing I'd say is that the platforms that Showstoppers, Pepcom, and Techfluence used actually showed up a lot of the um, of what Microsoft and CES had put together in their main platform. So those three events platforms were much better. Showstoppers in particular brought some great speakers on uh, online. Um, this is something, to be fair, that CES did do with their anchor desk. The CES anchor desk was very good. They had some youngish people, get um, okay, youngish, uh, in their mid 20s, I suspect. Well thought of on social media, well followed, uh, and they, the anchor desk was good. It was, it was a good innovation. I think um, maybe I'll go back on saying what, should, what was a, not a trend, but other AV shows should look at doing the same sort of anchor desk. That was a lot of fun. I tuned into a lot of times. Um, and they created a lot of social media storm, uh, a lot of social media tweets on that as well. So they were good. But Showstoppers put some great speakers on when they did specific events for their uh, exhibitors, so that was pretty good. Um, Funnily enough, well not funnily enough, because he's a great guy and a great presenter, Shelley Palmer, Um, last year uh, I queued and queued and queued, even though I was press, to get in to see Shelly Palmer at every single event I possibly could at CS. I wanted to get in the front row and meet him. Um, Shelly Palmer was just brilliant. Uh, the funny funny thing was though, his events this year during CS were all free. Um, they were all streamed live on Facebook, they are streamed live on YouTube, so if you Google Shelly Palmer you can go and see what he talked about. His events are not only a lesson in how to present, um, the way he handles his cameras, the way he handles his speech, the way he talks, a lot of the speakers across CES, interestingly, are doing probably what I'm doing now and speaking far too fast. The number of times I was screaming at my camera to an LG person or a Samsung person, slow down. When you haven't got an audience in front of you, what do you do? You speed up I'm saying I'm doing it now. When there's an audience, you can look around and you can speak slowly and make sure you've got the audience with you. I know it's a difficult thing to do, but anyway. Shelley Palmer was amazing. One thing I would recommend is you Google uh, Shelley Palmer, look on YouTube for his sessions he did during CS. He summed up the show pretty much much better than anybody else could possibly do. He was really, really good. Um, in terms of uh, CS as a whole, as I said before, I always I don't want to be a downer on the whole thing. I think I was very disappointed. I, I wouldn't rate the experience uh, more than a two or three out of 10. Um, There was too much canned video that could have been produced and distributed any other time during the year. Um, I think some of the exhibitors will be now realising that they wasted their money exhibiting. If you've got a brand, I've said this so many times before, if you've got a brand and a product and a social media following, you can release your product to the world via YouTube or some interactive webinar any time you like. You don't need to do it CS. And what CES seemed to do to the Samsungs and the LGs of the world during CS was constrain them. Not one of those events was interactive. Not one of those events allowed people like myself on a media day or just other members of the audience during the other days to ask questions and to get an answer. And so there's no point in being online. It might as well be a TV show. Um, in terms of all the exhibitors, the one that should go away with the most pride is Lenovo they did something fantastic. Uh, They got their huge share of Twitter, um, a huge share of voice on Twitter, on social media, by putting a competition together. Obviously they are a brand that people know. Um, Loads of people were tweeting and were doing um, their competition um, and they got lots and lots of share of voice from the whole thing. So I think Lenovo came away as the best in terms of the exhibitors I saw but overall It wasn't a particularly brilliant experience and I really look forward to it going back to being a live in-person event next year because as long as CES don't watch this video and ban me from coming, I'll be there.
2: So at CES 2020, um, I met with and then afterwards chatted with uh, my two friends, Doug Moni and Evan Christel. And uh, here we are back again after CES 2021 or what was left of it. And I uh, want to get both of their opinions as to what happened. So so virtual event, guys, obviously there was no choice. What do you think, Doug? What? Uh, how did it go? What was good? What wasn't?
5: Well, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with CES, just due to the size of the event, the expense of the event, to travel, and, and you know the massive amounts of email that get dumped into my email box um, that happens every year. So, you know, given the difficulties that CTA had to do something like this um, virtually, um, it was okay. I mean, I wouldn't go. You know, obviously there were many areas of improvement and um, that were that were necessary. Um and you know but there's also the the the, the cold hard truth that um a virtual doesn't substitute for a live event just not working
10: evan yeah i would i would concur i i think to the outside observer who doesn't make the annual pilgrimage to las vegas for c e s it kind of looked the same you had lots of tech news, lots of tech announcements and cool gadgets and videos, and so it didn't really look that different from the outside looking in, but of course to the on-site attendees, long-time attendees, it uh, was a completely different experience. I mean, the top 10, 15, 20 stories were, y- y- you know, pretty much the same, top of the headlines, but it was the 200 other stories, the 500 other stories that you really missed, and that lack of, uh, discoverability of, of, finding innovative new things, new companies, people. I mean, that was all to me kind of left by the wayside this time as a virtual event.
2: Yeah, Evan, I've made this comment before, even on the show, but, you know, I find that the, the CES show done by the CTA folks is probably the most important conference I go to every year to get insight. How much do you get out of it? How much in general, not just this year, how important is this event to you?
10: You know to me it's 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 become less important i mean i think we're all going kind of niche in terms of events now and maybe we reached a point where ces kind of peaked in terms of its bigness and uh frankly uh, it felt so big last year it was almost impossible to navigate so hopefully you know we can break uh break up the incredible content and community perhaps into more niche events, things like digital health and wearables, that's something I'm interested in, or maybe space and, and aerospace for Doug.
5: What do you think? I think that, well, I, I think the serpendipity goes out of it when you start going niche markets or, or, or any sort of vertical I mean, and I think the other problem is that that's what happened to telecom, right? The telecom industry had supercom it had um the Vaughn shows and then when those shows vanished so did uh, then all of a sudden you just had all this like all these individual vendor shows and each individual vendor show or vendor event gives you like a slice of what's going on it doesn't give you the broadness of um what's going on in a, in a particular vertical or and i think the the the, the asset or the benefit to um, the CES show is that that you do get a more um, uh, holistic view of the world, um, rather than than in a, rather than a niche, and 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 you get to see some interesting cross pollinations that you you normally wouldn't. And I think the other thing about CES is that is a holistic um, type of worldview. Um, you not only get the specific vendor or applications view, you also get the um, I guess we'll, we'll call this a seven layer model, we'll call this a something layer model. Um, you get like the downstack view or downstack pieces of the different component vendors and how their technology is spinning up to the, the um, uh, individual uh, product or service. So so from that respect, uh, perspective, you know, there is a need for a CES. Um, but is there a need for more than one CES? No. Definitely. I've had this conversation with the folks from CTA a couple of years ago,
2: very friendly kind of chats. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm always of a mind that a great dividing line would be the difference between concepts and solutions. You, you, you know, when we do the physical show, it's so large and it's so laid out that, that, you know, you have these enormous booths that don't have anything to show you but a concept which I think just kills people having to walk around them. Um, I would love to see the concept part of this maybe continue to be digital and online. um, But, but the actual services and products and things that are out there um, be something physical, they're going to have to play with it. They'll obviously get a lot of learning to do. So let's, let's put the, the criticism and the philosophy aside guys. Talk to me about what, what key trends, what, what key technologies did you guys see coming out of this event that you either were aware of and confirmed or weren't aware of and learned about Doug, why don't you go first?
5: Um, I think that it was nice to see a lot of environmental awareness being top of mind for vendors. Um, HP, Samsung, and others were emphasizing the fact that they were using recycled plastics in their PCs, talking about things about um, the use of ocean plastics and recycled bottles. Um, to me, it was you know after COVID, 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 um, hearing the environmental message to me um, and, and seeing the environmental message move forward. That was that was a good thing. Um, and then also Samsung was talking about upcycling devices, um, you know, taking like your last year's cell phone and then doing a different um, uh, software load on it and then turn it into something um, else in your house. Like for instance, um, Samsung's demo that they did on uh, Monday at their press conference was take a cell phone and then you can, you know, plug in a charger and it turns into your pet monitor. Now, I'm not sure how upcycling devices is gonna work um, because um, in the U.S., like I trade in my cell phone, I'm going to get my 200 bucks or whatever, and it goes to the recycler, right? So I'm not sure how upcycling is going to going to work moving forward if if those sorts of economic incentives um, continue um, for recycling. But um, who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, you're going to see your your cell phone device, and what you'll do is you'll turn in your cell phone, and it, rather than it getting resold or repackaged in a in a device, they'll just strip off the fronts and then turn it into a new um turn it into a totally new product that you can go out and order from amazon or best buy so i think the the whole environmental issue that was the first one that struck me well second trend that i thought um was interesting was the uh that that multifunction devices are are moving from the pc not the pc from the smartphone into other um areas um like you know for instance we had the phone and it was this phone and it was good and then the phone became the uh, uh, contact manager, music player, web browser, contact things where, you know, our, our smartphone is more than a phone. It's a it's a multifunctional device. So what I saw from Samsung and some smaller vendors is taking um, one concept and then being able to add multiple features to it. So it, it, it does more than simply one function. Samsung had their... Uh, um, Uh, robotic vacuum that they rolled out and it's loaded with a LiDAR. It's loaded with a laser radar. Why would you put in a laser radar into a a robot vacuum? And the answer is, well, you can do more things with it. Um, So Samsung's robot vacuum that they rolled out, not only will it vacuum your carpets, um, but it's a home security monitor, it can be a pet monitor. And Samsung was, was talking about the fact of, yeah, you know, if you don't know where your pet is or He's got anxiety um, when you when you leave. Once you go back to work, you can you know take your vacuum and see what your pet's up to. So I, I think that's interesting too. In respect that, um, um, now let me scrap that off. The the when you the other interesting company I think was a company called Owl Home, which was making a, um, a smart uh, carbon monoxide smoke detector. Except it just doesn't do carbon dioxide and smoke. Uh, it does full home environmental monitoring, including temperature, humidity. You can do motion um, detection for security as well. So rather than having to buy a home security thing and, and, and five other sensors, I can buy a bunch of owls, and then all of a sudden I've got, bang, I've got uh, full home coverage for both um, physical security as well as for um, you know smoke, fire, uh, home safety detection. So I think we're going to see more of these, you know, the single device to multifunction device. I think we're going to see some evolution of that moving forward. And when people figure out that, um, you know, you, you don't buy your Fitbit, you buy your Fitbit for um, to do X, Y, and Z, or you don't buy your device X, you can buy device X and it'll also do Y and Z. And I think you'll, you'll see more of that coming along. Kind
2: of interesting.
10: Yeah, I, 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 saw, I, saw, I saw a real move to kind of practicality. Yeah. Uh, you know, and what you're describing, Doug, and I think it applies to a lot of areas. We're in the midst of a pandemic, and there were a lot of practical solutions out there, whether it was wearables for monitoring pre-COVID symptoms, whether it was smart masks uh, I saw from uh, Razor, whether it was, you know, kind of really cool ergonomic chairs for the, the home office in which we're all, many of us are living. Uh, or even, uh, you know, various kind sort of cleaning, air purification devices for for catching the virus. There were just a lot of really practical solutions, and I enjoyed that. You know, uh, you know, still had the pie in the sky stuff. Still waiting on my flying taxi Doug, that you know we saw from several companies last <laughs> year, and that that's always been a part of CVS. But you know, it was good to see some more solutions. That were a little more grounded, if if not a little silly, maybe in terms of the talking uh, vacuum cleaner. But you know, I, th- I think some products that might be actual get into real consumers' hands this year, versus uh, just being a design concept.
2: Okay. So so let's wrap it up with the idea of winners and losers. Any big companies or, or, or the organization itself or anything, you know, come out really on top and shining in this and anything really look bad to you any, you know, or, or winners and losers as part of the show or the I extreme? Think, you know, I
10: I think television is clearly a winner, whether it's, you know, the streaming services or the set manufacturers themselves. I mean, I, I thought I had the penultimate Samsung television here at home now. Evidently, I don't. I'm going to need 8K and mini LEDs. And I'm actually, given the amount of TV I've watched during the (laughs) pandemic, kind of looking forward to an upgrade. So anything TV-related, I I think, uh, was a big winner. Doug?
3: Um,
5: It was interesting to see more space, aerospace-related tech slowly start creeping into CES. Um, There was a company called Sierra Nevada. Um, corporation and they make a space plane and they had a booth at CES, a virtual booth. So I called them up and I said dudes why are you doing at CES and they're like well you know we're working with NASA we want to raise our public profile and uh, we think CES is the place to be and we're gonna bring a a spacecraft and we want to park it on the exhibit floor next year and I'm kind of like okay I'm down with that. Um, Canon also, uh, Canon the people that you normally know for photography um, Canon has also got a big play. Uh, Canon launched two satellites and that photograph the Earth, and those satellites are based on their optical um, uh, technology, in other words, uh, lenses, and uh, off-the-shelf Canon cameras. So Canon is going to move from a company that's like a, a camera parts company into a more services-oriented company um, where, you know, you're going to be able to get pictures of the world. Um, so I, that was kind of cool, okay, but, it, uh. to, but to wrap this, you know, I think we'll see more space next year, um, for a couple of reasons. One is that, um, there are more space companies that want to get into, want to get larger exposure to the world, number one, and number two is, uh, CES might have some extra space that they need to fill it up next year.
2: Yeah, when business conferences kick back off again, with with my prediction hopefully being the fall of this year, it's going to be interesting to see how big a ramp those are going to be on. And CES maybe the next big conference that we all attend. Maybe a couple of smaller ones before that, but uh, let's hope that I've, 20- already, 20- I've already I've 20- already got
10: one penciled in for uh, Las Vegas in October. It's <laughs> presuming uh, uh, vaccinations, it's presuming a lot of things, but um, I'm actually for once looking forward to it. So. Uh, Vegas, here I
2: come. Yep, yeah. absolutely. And 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 I will point out that I think everybody's pretty tired of virtual conferences at this point. We're ready for the <laughs> we're ready for the pendulum to swing back. Not all the way. We should always have these virtual elements, but we're ready for it to swing back enough so that there's a, a hybrid mix. And hybrid's going to be the next overused word at the business conferences for the next couple of years. Gentlemen, thank you as always. Let's uh, let's hear Thanks, from David. some other experts on the area. Thanks a lot.
10: Thanks for what you do, David.
11: Hi, my name is Jonathan Grover. I work in strategy at Poly, uh, a communications leader in the unified communications and call center space. This was actually my first time attending virtual CES, as it probably was for everybody else, but certainly not my first time attending CES. Uh, In terms of virtual conferences, I thought it was uh, a very well done, albeit interesting presentation. I've heard from a lot of colleagues that Um, Showing up to see pre-recorded and pre-canned press conferences and meetings with people uh, really took on a new meaning to what virtual means and and made you feel like you would have been just better off watching uh, the pre-canned stream on your own time. Uh, Personally, when I think of a conference and what CES has meant to me in the past, the experience of wandering the halls of, of those serendipitous meetings of just discovering new things unplanned didn't really translate well into the virtual medium particularly one of the things I missed was the interactivity part of it, being able to go with a colleague and discuss what we were seeing in real time or have a discussion with a potential vendor, a potential new product or new technology with a colleague and be able to bounce ideas off of each other or have that sort of collaborative three-way, four-way dialogue that doesn't really translate well even if you did manage to book a one-on-one meeting. In general, I also found it very hard to actually segment the time I needed to properly uh, experience the CES conference the way I had in the past when I was in person. Sitting on my computer, working from home like many people who are seeing this, I found myself drawn into many high priority items because I was available. And as I moved to multitask, my attention was drawn away from what had initially captivated my attention at CES. All in all, I think this is the first step in the evolution of virtual conferences, and we're seeing a lot more virtual conferences now, but I'm really interested to see how this continues to evolve in a hybrid work and and hybrid future environment where we can manage to bring some kind of that collaborative element back into it using technologies that might be debuted at future CESs. When I think of some of the key technologies that stood out in my mind and key themes that, that really caught my attention, the first one top of mind was health. It seemed like, obviously topically relevant, there was health everything, and, and one of the most interesting segments of solutions that, that uh, I felt like I was getting assaulted with was sticking a UV light on everything that this notion that with a UV light instantly you've provided health and productivity and safety benefits you know to have a a UV light over my keyboard or some sort of UV case for my phone my cell phone um, it struck me as really interesting Uh, and and candidly I don't think nearly as topically relevant to the health space as some of the other things I want to discuss Uh, But from the perspective of who's looking at this product and who's buying it and who's thinking there's value, I had a head-scratching moment of thinking UV technology isn't new, cleaning things with UV technology isn't new, and I don't think it's going to make anybody who felt unsafe about their workplace, about their space, feel safer because you stuck a UV light on top of that keyboard, which is a shared keyboard. The other really interesting health trend, which I've seen in many different forms, but but became a little bit more prescient this year was around air quality monitoring. I noticed a lot of companies positioning their quality monitoring as part of a solution and not the whole solution by itself. Again, it struck me as interesting because as a technology and as a product, it's passive. You only know what happened after it happened and what can you actually change based on knowing something that happened in the past. More to the point, to my best recollection, none of these technologies actually provide the health types of benefits that the marketing and the value prop type tries to push it in towards. They're just telling you, are there particulates in the air or how good is the quality of your air quality, not if you walked by somebody who just coughed a cold virus or another virus. I know that it may be topically relevant for SMBs and large companies to start installing air quality monitors as part of a holistic solution for enhancing the enterprise or, or the small business workplace. I just don't know how much actual value it gives to people like you and I. The other trend which obviously has intersected our lives is, is masks and uh, I was extremely uh I wouldn't say surprised, but, you know, interested to see the quote-unquote innovations in masks that people were bringing to market and candidly all felt more like market texture than real products. I don't think for many of us we want to uh, accept that our permanent long-term future involves us walking around masked or, um, you know, in in the equivalent of a biological protection suit all the time uh, and that we started to see solutions where it was more permanent masks or masks that uh, purported to start blending uh, into the productivity or the lifestyle rather than just serving a pure function. Uh, struck me as you know an interesting way to grab headlines. You know I have seen some some of the products that were positioned in this space as, as winners of best in CES, and I scratch my head as to who would ever want it and who who thinks they can actually make a great business out of selling something like that. More coming home to the space that uh, I work in around unified communications, I was really interested to see what becomes a a long-term trend which is really gaining hold, which is more screen space in cars and specifically very large display in cars. More and more I think that as we use the cars not just for um, commuting from one place to another but as sort of third place vehicles where you might take a call or a meeting or watch a movie seeing big screens in cars starts to enable us with the quote-unquote infrastructure of those applications in the future uh, certainly you know we've seen this in in some of the marquee brands like Tesla right we saw some very large displays um, on display for Mercedes and, and you know I'm, I'm interested to see how quickly these become commonplace in cars in general and what follows on from that in terms of the applications and the use cases that people like you and I can use now when we step into a car. Another major trend that I was really interested in was robots and robotics. It seems like when you think of you know, CES, me as a consumer and, and my lifestyle, what I would use consumer products for at home, that robots for a very long time have felt like the future. And now we're starting to see robots have a more personalized flair, become more specialized on specific functions, and that begs the question, is that type of technology accessible yet to you and I? And of course, The last thing that I think really stood out for me, especially now that I sit at home uh, for many, many, many hours a day, was uh, people positioning chairs as technology and innovative products. Uh, You know, clearly at the start of the pandemic, I like many others, went out and spent a lot of money on a very expensive, very comfortable chair, but seeing that the technology can start to come into the chair with sensors, with massage features, with heating, Um, seems partially a realization that I might be using this chair at home for quite a long time, but also you can enhance my comfort while doing that in a way that it's no longer just, you know, uh, form, you know, and function, but really something that makes me want to be in that place. Well, that's it for me, Jonathan Grover. Uh, I really enjoyed The virtual CES this year, and I'm extremely hopeful that I get to go to CES in person again next year.
0: Hi, my name is Stephanie Atkinson, and I wanted to follow up with you guys regarding CES. Just a quick introduction of myself. My name's Stephanie, and I'm the CEO and founder of Compass Intelligence, as well as VMARC, a marketing agency for small businesses. I also recently founded Elevate Our Kids, which is a nonprofit to help K-12 students get access to laptops during this very hard and challenging remote learning season that we're in. So just a re- quick recap i have a couple of notes that i'm going to be looking at here and there so so after attending ces virtually you know I've, i have a few comments i wanted to share and i'll, I'll share some of my r- remarks and personal thoughts and opinions on the event itself the format as well as some of the cool products and things that i found very interesting in terms of announcements so This year was unique, of course, because it was virtual, but I have to give props to uh, the CTA and the the teams. And, of course, Microsoft was a partner this year, and they were integral in um, kind of uh, the whole technology and platform behind the event and all of the keynotes and recorded sessions as well. Um, I found that to be really nice, and it took a little bit of, of a challenge in navigating all of that and figuring out where to go and and how to set up my um, calendar and set up my schedule for the day. Um, It was a little bit challenging because you had to re-register. I found that to be a little bit off-putting, but hey, this is we're all living in a very challenging situation, so we have uh, a little bit of extra steps here and there to take. But I did uh, find that overall, you know, they did a really good job at really laying out the best that they could um, for CES to be virtual this year. It was interesting. We're going to miss, miss, miss this year, all the face-to-face, but I'll talk a little bit about that in just a second. So, um, in terms of kind of my plan at CES, I I tried my best to lay out what I was going to do each day. And I tried to do that, um, each morning before or the day of, and make sure I had everything in my calendar, my schedule, Um, it very, that, that part was challenging because you have your, your schedule set for the day and you are planning to attend everything. And that's not always the case. I think you are more distracted working from home and holding yourself accountable and making sure that you're attending everything was (laughs) very challenging. Um, I enjoyed having the freedom to come and go. And sometimes that comes with a, a little bit of not holding yourself accountable, um, I did like the option of being able to listen to the replays, especially the keynotes and some sessions that I did miss because I had some other work activities. Um, The navigation, again, was a bit quirky on the site, um, but I figured it out eventually. The drawbacks revolved around, um, again, like I said, not holding myself accountable for attending all the sessions I said I was going to attend. Um, So that self-discipline is, I think, very hard for virtual events. Um, and being able to come and go and walk away and go grab snacks and all of that, you miss things. So um, I also miss the excitement of the booth displays, the lights, the signage, the demos, just all of the event information that we're missing. As as being an analyst, um, being a part of the press, I, w- I generally was able to, in the past, attend all of these really cool announcements, events, parties, um, the social events, of course, are just, that piece is just completely missing. Um, and then uh, the excitement on the show floor. Um, a lot of times I would just not plan on um, getting to the show floor, but I would get there and I would roam around and just find all kinds of really interesting things, products, tech, gadgets. And so you miss that, being able to have that flexibility to just go and um, kind of browse. You don't have that um, with the virtual event. You kind of have to be structured and plan everything. Um for my role at Compass, you know, I focus very heavily on the B2B tech space. So um, my areas of interest at CES focus on work from home, small business, enterprise applications, and business technologies that include mobile, IoT, and emerging tech. That being said, um, I try my best to attend the events around Internet of Things, AI, 5G, business gadget, gadgets, and um also, smart cities, So, um, which I didn't really come across as much around that this year on the smart city side. Um, a few of my favorite highlights are around product announcements, including, of course, there's the cool factor of all of those robots, and this year, that didn't disappoint. There were a lot of cool robots announced this year. My favorite being the Samsung <clears throat> that bought Handy. Of course, I thought it was really cool that um, it could bring you your wine, clean the house. I mean, who wouldn't want that, um, bringing you your beer? Um, I- I'd say the other kind of robots that I think maybe might, might be more realistic are the UV cleaning robots announced by, by LG. Um, we definitely have a need for that this year, and who knows, down the road, um, future um just having, having that UV cleaning um, robot come in. I definitely see some use cases or some applications in commercial buildings as well as in hospitals. Um, also, um, I, I tend to see that most of the robots um, that were announced at CES this year were really revolved around the home um, and the work from home, but primarily home, um, just cleaning, taking care of activities around the house. Um, so I actually enjoy seeing more of the robots that are involved with commercial applications. But I know CES is very commercial or consumer oriented. So that might be the case why we don't see as many. But I feel at previous events, being able to roam the show floor, I would see way more commercial application robots that are kind of being out there. Another favorite of mine were the announcement around all the bendable, flexible gadgets, devices, um, including... LG's bendable TV. Lenovo also had their foldable ThinkBad X1 and Intel's Horseshoe Bend. Um, Their uh, laptop slash computer, it actually was a lot bigger. And Dell also hinted at one in the works and had some um, cool kind of videos and images around theirs. And then also TCL had their bendable or their flexible smartphones. So strong theme around the bendable flexible devices this year. Other cool products announced included Panasonic Smart Lockers, which had more of a commercial application. So great around contactless food, food access. Customers can go to the Smart Locker, open it up with a code or biometrics, get access to food and other goods that they've already purchased. So no interaction with people. Um, there was also a UK-based company that announced uh, Phone. M A S K F O N E, and that was essentially earbuds integrated into the mask with a speaker for making and taking calls without having to actually pick up your smartphone. Um, how many of us are wearing our masks and are fidgeting around trying to find all of our devices, whether it's our head, headsets or our ear pods or our, you know, putting the phone in front of the va- face? So, and not sounding so muffled. <clears throat> as far as themes and, and around tech, Technology for good and sustainability was a really strong focus this year um, and around recycling and upcycling. Samsung Samsung actually <laughs> announced um, um, turning old phones into IoT devices. There was also a company, uh, Chipolo One Ocean Edition. They announced Bluetooth-enabled trackers that were all made from fishing nets, trawls, and ropes collected in um shallow ocean waters. I thought that was really cool. Um, And then the packaging around that was also vegan and plastic free. Those were strong themes this year. There were quite a few other um, announcements around packaging and recycled materials. In addition to that, um, there was also a strong theme around AI. It seems like artificial intelligence was integrated or part of a lot of different solutions that were out there, especially those that were around home goods, electronics, smart locks, home locks, that kind of thing, Um, as well as immersive experiences. Um, I think a lot of the uh, uh, consumer and gaming um, experiences and the immersive experiences, that was a strong theme this year as well. Um, And other tech kind of hitting the floor revolved around 5G, Wi-Fi 6 um, was poking in here and there. Uh, as well as virtual reality, like I mentioned, and and a lot of announcements around upgraded or new devices around um, audio-visual headphones and headsets, um, as well as smart cameras. And um, in terms of masks, there were quite a few smart masks that were also announced at at CES this year. Um, Some that were clear. They had some that had all kinds of Extra capabilities, so they were smart masks. They did way more than just protect you. Protected you, and some of them also had the N ninety five protection as well. And then there was a great bit of, of of announcements and and energy around autonomous vehicles or selfless driving, and um, related to that, in dash infotainment systems. If you get a chance, check out Tesla, BMW, and Mercedes in um, um, dash infotainment uh, announcements. Those were really cool. I would say, you know, overall, the experience was better than I expected, Um, but will never match the Vegas experience, of course. Um, I did, however, enjoy a virtual concert given by Black Pumas, and that was sponsored by Verizon, and they allowed us to kind of scan scan a barcode and get access to kind of the virtual stage experience that kind of gave you that 3D experience, so that was kind of cool. Um... I really just can't wait to see many of your faces um, in 2022. I look forward to seeing a lot of you guys and getting back to that old event face-to-face experience is going to be just exciting and probably bring a whole nother level of excitement to uh, CES um, this next year. And I want to say thank you all for listening today. Please follow me at Steph Atkins, S-T-E-P-H-A-T-K-I-N-S at Twitter, or you can also follow Compass Intel. And I'm wishing you all good health, be safe, and be kind. Thank you everyone, until next time.
12: Good afternoon, I'm Greg Harper, and I'm here in my upstate home in the Adirondacks where I'm escaping the craziness of New York City. Uh, so not quite the same broadcast capability I have at home, but uh, still, uh, we've uh, created my, you know, in my lab here upstate. And I just want to talk a little bit about what I saw at CES. Of course, this year, after 30-some, I don't even know how many years I've been going to CES, uh, we didn't able to go physically. We went uh, virtually. And I must say, my first impression was uh, it actually worked. Um, this is an example of one of the scenes from uh, GM's uh, keynote. Uh, interestingly, they used uh, AR and VR uh, capabilities. They also used virtual sets. So we were able to see things that we wouldn't normally have seen had we been on site. Like, for example, how the vehicle came together and how the batteries came in, etc. So I thought it actually went very well. For being virtual set, they did a nice job. Of course, CES is all about uh, TVs, etc. Now, I'm not able to see this, of course, because we only saw it on television, on, on Zoom. Uh, or actually it was teams that were doing it. But I saw the 4K version of this last year with the micro LED. This is the 8K version. TCL is now the number three uh, seller of TVs in the United States. They With the ultra uh, small uh, micro LEDs, you get blacks that are really uh, equivalent to what you're seeing with OLED, uh, without the burn in of OLED. And it's 8K and it's TCL and low cost. So I think this was a significant uh, thing that was at CES this year. The next thing, of course, is when I mentioned LG. Of course, last year we had the, uh, and actually the previous year before that, we had the rollable screen. Uh, screen goes up and down, very nice, that technology in OLED, but now they've taken it to the phone. So you have uh, both a single phone here and then the wide phone. Now, of course, there are rumors that LG make it out of the phone business, but this product is very interesting because it's really, is it a phone, is it a tablet, what is it? But it allows us to do work uh, around um, a device that is can be a form factor of a, vo- of a vo- phone or open up to a tablet. So uh, others, by the way, are doing this as well. TCL showed one a prototype, but this one's actually supposedly coming to market this year. Um, robots. Uh, always at CES, they're robots. Uh, this is Samsung with the bot handy. Uh, this thing actually runs around and can pick things up. Little one down below uh, is a robot that allows you to um, uh, use as security. It also is a vacuum cleaner and will run around intelligently. But I thought this one over here from LG was more interesting. This is a uh, de- disinfecting robot. So it runs around with ultraviolet light. So think about in your office, you let this thing loose at night. It runs around and disinfects everything. The uh, next thing uh, in robots, uh, well, not really a robot, this is a drone, it's by Sony, uh, it's called the AirPick. But what's interesting about it is it has a professional camera on there, the Sony A7, a really high-quality camera. And it's very stable, and the videos that we saw from it were very impressive. So I thought this was an interesting thing that was shown at CES. Speaking of interesting things and drones and everything else, uh, there's also a lot of AI and one of the more interesting ones that I, I noticed was what Panasonic is doing, in the automotive space. Of course, we know what they're doing with Tesla, with batteries, et cetera. But in this particular case, they're using AI and heads-up display. So they're actually on the windshield will show you where you go, not just a little window, but actually in the windshield, you can actually see the road ahead. And of course, they'll do pedestrian detection. In this case, it happens to be a, um, a bicyclist. And of course, all of the usual information you might have on it. Interesting combination of AI, sensors, and uh, projection on a screen. Of course, um, I, I always joke that CES should really be called the car electronic show, and this year is no different. A lot of different manufacturers, uh, GM keynote. This is Mercedes, and they had an interesting concept here. This is one single uh, dashboard, but in fact, it's three separate screens. And so in this screen over here, you have the traditional speedometer, et cetera the middle you have all your entertainment and heat things, but on the end you have business type things. You could put uh, video conferencing or watch a movie or something of that nature. Of course, it's got systems, so if you look over there, it shuts it off, etc. If the driver looks over there, it shuts it off. Whether they allow that in the United States, I don't know, but the concept, though, of a integrated screen with multiple things, uh, they're not just one pane of glass, but actually it's it's It is one pane of glass, but it's actually three separate devices with three separate things. And it actually extends out to five devices because there are also two in the back seat. So interesting concept of creating an ecosystem, a network in the car, where it allows you to do your business in in your car as well as driving. Um, So I thought that was an interesting concept that was being shown. Dual-screen laptops, we heard about those last year. This is the Asus ZenBook. Uh, I'm fortunate that I was able to uh, get my hands on one. Uh, This is one here. And uh, as you can see, um, it has both, I'm running Zoom over here and other controls down below. I can do Hollywood Squares, uh, content sharing, uh, nice thin laptop, and pretty powerful. Uh, So that's something that uh, I think we're going to see in business applications, of course. Uh, Of course, the laptop without uh, its processor is not very much. So we had a battle between uh, AMD and Intel as usual. this is uh, AMD's uh, presentation, as you can see, uh, the higher bars are the AMD performance as compared to the core um, uh, Intel things. But Intel, of course, they came out with their Alder Lake, uh, faster, bigger, and better. But the main thing that's happening is graphics, GPUs, and that's where uh, Nvidia is putting a lot of power into uh, their uh, laptops, uh, for laptops for gaming, et cetera. Speaking of gaming, AMD, of course, is powering the next devices over here which are the Sony PS5 and PlayStation PlayStation 5 and Xbox. And I'm fortunate that I actually have, uh, here's the Xbox, here's the PlayStation 5. Uh, I must say, these things are extraordinarily powerful. And you can imagine uh, going forward where, uh, not just doing games, but we can actually create virtual offices, virtual environments that will follow you, and you could use that in your home, so your home office could actually be you know, space station, or whatever you want it to be, with actually things moving around, re rendering, retracing in real time. Speaking of uh, offices on the move, of course, mobile phones. Uh, not really part of CES because it wasn't uh, part of the normal CES thing, but it happened during CES, and it was the launch of Unpacked at Samsung uh, showing off their new phone. This is the Galaxy S21, uh, sort of improves on the S20. Uh, Ultra wideband, uh, 5G, of course. Uh, but it has smart things, uh, Knox for se- security, but it also now incorporates uh, links to uh, Xbox, uh, also links to, more importantly, um, the Google uh, video conferencing uh, platform. Uh, so, a lot of capabilities here on a portable device. Anyway, these are some of the things that I saw at CES that I thought might be interesting, and hopefully, you enjoyed this. Thanks.
2: So that wraps up this uh, CES wrap-up episode of Aviation TV's Connected. Um, I hope you gain something from it and learn something from it. I pray and hope that before the end of this year, we'll be at uh, conferences again. I don't know when, but uh, I know it will happen. And uh, I hope you guys are staying safe and well. Uh, And uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Aviation TV's Connected. It should be on within a few weeks. My name is David Danto. Thanks very much for watching. i will see you next time.